My name is Jim, this is Jim Warfare, and I, I titled the thumbnail <laughs> South Africa is a circus and I received the most wonderful email this morning from somebody saying that uh, if I want to compare South Africa to um, something that's a failure, it shouldn't be a circus because circuses are run very effectively and efficiently. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Dr. David Klatso? Yes, I think so. And I think it, uh, <laughs> it's an inaccurate comparison because of the circus, the clowns don't run the show. <laughs> it's such a great start to the week. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. <coughs> We're standing on the cusp of autumn here. Mm. and the, the leaves are starting to change and winter stares us in the face. But uh, the nice thing about winter is it's followed by spring. And uh, one, one, one. If, if winter comes, can spring be far behind? As the as the great poet said. Well, what happened um, a few years ago in northern Africa? Speaking of spring, uh, what was it called? Um, where the people rose up against uh, the various governments. Arab the Arab Spring. There we go. I, I have a feeling like that's something like that's happening right now around the world with regards to masks and lockdowns. Yeah, I think I think that the whole story with masks and lockdowns um, and the the changing uh, rules and regulations which are made ad hoc to deal with a situation which nobody fully understands um, are frightening. Um, and we we had this discussion some time ago in that when you are making policy decisions that are based on ignorance, it's a very dangerous situation. Mm. And we've watched, we've watched a variety of things. When the COVID epidemic came out, of course, uh, one of the first things was everybody is screaming for manufacturing industry to stop and produce respirators, which was probably the worst thing possible, possible for the treatment. Uh, we've seen such false news about the use of hydroxychloroquine mm. uh, and uh, fake, fake papers being put into the Lancet and, and withdrawn. Uh, we've had talking heads about this endlessly who've had a lot to say and they've had one thing in common. Most of them have been wrong. Mm. So that it, 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 we, we lurch from one unknown to another unknown with disastrous consequences. And the only thing that you can say for certain is that the economies are going to be irreparably damaged worldwide. And it's going to take a while for any economy to get back into any kind of functioning state uh, and that has got serious uh, socio-economic criminal uh, uh, consequences the the, the 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 rate of increase of crime in south africa is astronomical mm. because of the problems of people being hungry Hung hungry people do do things which they have to do to survive and you can't blame them but it could all have been it could all have been averted if people had not stolen the food packages, mm. if they'd stolen the aid that has been given for it, if they'd not bought themselves uh, Aston Martin motor cars, as uh, one of our ministers did the other day, and Bentleys mm. uh, and what have you. All of this is a mixture of the most terrible breakdown in moral rectitude possible to imagine. Yeah, I mean, I said to you now, just before we went live, um, when I was at my folks' house recently, my mom said that uh, she's lived through a lot in her life, including the moon landing, 
and uh, various wars, including Vietnam, but nothing quite as strange as this. No, it it is very strange because uh, the, the, the rules and regulations as we know them or as we knew them have changed enormously. Um, no longer is there a, a, a sort of binary system for gender. There are there are so many gender types and uh, sexual proclivities and sexual choices available today that one doesn't know whether one's Arthur or Martha. Um, and the uh, the difficulty with that is that uh, there are certain tripwires, um, and there's a very uh, good book out called The Madness of Crowds, which which deals with these tripwires, and the 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 tripwires are such that they bring down a, a, a torrent of abuse upon you should you touch one of the tripwires. Um, and the, the availability of very rapid, instantaneous communications, such as the one that we're on now, and, and Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook and all the other instant electronic communications, mean that these things can spread without vetting mm. and without proper understanding uh, in a very, very wide and dangerous way. And we're seeing it at the moment. We're seeing, for instance, I mean, one, one can't imagine how stupid the advertising crew that clicks were to put up a, an advert such as the one they did. It's half-witted. I mean, even that is maybe understating it a little bit, that it, it really is a stupid thing to do. Uh, but that does not require that every law be broken. Mm. Rioting Destruction of property is not an is not a way to deal with the situation. Clicks should have be, been engaged in a civilized way, and to have a bunch of thugs descend on them, uh, intimidate people, intimidate staff, is putting extra parliamentary power into the hands of people who've shown themselves to be reckless in the use of it on in the past. So it's very very frightening to see this is becoming a a feature of South African life. And I see there's another one developing at BMW in uh, um, in the waterfront. And, of course, it's not that long ago that the same thugs attempted to destroy H&M at uh, uh, Cavendish Centre in Cape Town. And yet... This would be allowed to go on. And yet their actions are celebrated. I mean, clicks basically uh, said sorry uh, that their stores were uh, attacked. I mean, Clicks took responsibility for their stores being attacked, and then and then said, "No, they're going to donate to charities." Yeah, look, you know, I don't understand this at all because if you go back a few years to the murders at Charlie Hebdo in mm, France, mm. Okay, uh, the leaders of the church were not in a hurry to condemn the people who pulled the triggers they had quite a lot to say about the fact that Charlie Hebdo ran the advert. Now, that is that is frightening. That that supports the notion that you can achieve political aims through the barrel of a gun. And it, again, it's, it's Marxism in action. It's a, it's a very uh, frightening thing that we've, we are re, reinvigorating a political ideology which has been invariably disastrous and produced nothing but piles of bodies mm. uh, for the last century. We've had the experiment, we've done the experiment, and yet we still have uh, a resurgence of Marxism. We have, fright frighteningly, Jim, uh, and your listeners will understand this, that if you look at university departments, there is, there is nothing middle of the road, 
in the university anymore. Mm -hmm. It's all extreme leftists. People are very left-leaning at all universities now. Uh, and particularly the, the, the humanities have been taken over by postmodernism, which is uh, a nerve-wracking thing because postmodernism is nothing but a reinvention of Marxism. Mm. It's Marxism where you, you, you've swapped the proletariat and the uh, bourgeoisie for oppressed groups. And there's any number of people who can define themselves an oppressed group. Um, everybody can find a way of being oppressed. If you're gay, you're oppressed. If you're ugly, you're oppressed. If you're short, you're oppressed. If you've got a, a physical deformity, you're oppressed. If you're black, you're oppressed. And eventually one ends up with the intersectionality of everybody forming part of the oppressed group. So it becomes it becomes a crazy thing. And at the at the center of it all, you have proxy groups who are there to take the fall for everybody else's oppression. So if you're white and straight and male, you immediately become a target for everybody else's aggression. Mm. I mean, I mean, and, and if you look at before this pandemic hit in South Africa, uh, South Africa was already struggling. Oh, yes. Now, South Africa, South Africa, prior to the pandemic, stood on the on the on the brink of an economic precipice. And it needed very little to push it over. But then again, look at what happened. Look at the looting. Look at the fact that you've got people burning down scarce resources, which are uh, hard to replace. I mean, the, the number of attacks on medical personnel going into townships to rescue people and to assist with people who are gravely ill, where they've been robbed and at gunpoint and all their equipment stolen, is unconscionable. And I, to 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 not do something firm about it is to invite it to happen again. And I'm, I'm firmly of the view that if 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 I go into a township to do something good and helpful and I'm attacked and robbed, that's the last time I'll be going into the township. Next time that somebody needs to be brought out for urgent medical treatment, I'll say bring them to the edge to the edge of wherever it is that that they are where I, I'm not at risk and we'll take it from there. The same is true with uh, Imazama Yetu and the fires up on the mm. on the settlements up towards uh, Simonstown, is that when the fire brigade got there, they were attacked and their hoses were cut. That's unacceptable because it's difficult enough in the townships with no planning whatsoever to do proper firefighting for the simple reason you can't get your, your engines and your hoses and your personnel in. So, What it, do you think is going on? Well, I, I don't... Everything's I, broken. I think that everything is broken, and I think that there's a reluctance of, of the authorities because of the the threats of a kind of neo-McCarthyism to do anything about it. Um, I mean, racism is the new McCarthyism. Mm. You can call somebody a racist without any evidence whatsoever, and the mayor say so, and that 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 insult and that appellation is immediately spread through an enormous um, area of the network uh, to a wide range of people, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you, it, it denying that you're a racist doesn't help. No. It makes it worse. So, because... it, it, again, as I say, it's the new McCarthyism, and McCarthyism was exceptionally damaging to the American civil society yeah. in the 50s and 60s.
Uh, I mean, okay, so for those who don't know, when you, when you talk about McCarthyism, what are you referring to? Well, Joe, Joe McCarthy was a U.S. senator who saw a red under every bed. And what he did was he, he provided a scare situation in America where you could accuse somebody of being a red and it would have negative consequences. Nobody would mm. employ them. Mm. And, and, and big organizations such as uh, the Walt Disney Organization actually acted as spies, turning in their, their, their actors for any perceived left-wing uh, the sympathies they suddenly became marxists and and communists and they were denied jobs and nobody would employ them and you know the strange thing about that was that the father the father of the american atomic bomb j uh, uh, robert oppenheimer uh, was accused of this he he was he was a sensitive man and um he realized the dangers of having uh, produced a weapon of the awesome capabilities of atomic weaponry and and he had Emotional, and he had very severe uh, ethical doubts about what he'd done. But this didn't stop him from being uh, hounded out of the establishment. Um, and it's a great pity. That, yeah, that but, was. you know, I mean, the thing, David, is that everybody feels the same thing. Like, South Africa, there was this, there was this great hope post-94 um, and I guess that hope was expected, and it was very utopian. But explain to me how, quarter of a century later, everything seems to be worse. Well, you, that, that is a question which needs to be directed firmly at the ANC. Because everything that has been done, everything that they have laid their hand on, has turned into a disaster. There is not a single thing which has been uh, run by the ANC which is now not in ruins, which is either not financially destitute or uh, corrupt beyond belief. I mean, we, we've got a country now which uh, their, the electricity is, is fragile, to say the, the least, and that is because of ANC mismanagement. That is because of, of, of uh, Zuma having brought in the Guptas to get involved in mega million billion rand deals, which have resulted in damage to the power station in poor coal mm, supplies. Mm. Uh, we've got the two huge power stations which have been under construction for the last 11 years. And as people say, there's uh, there's uh, more electricity in a Duracell battery than you can get out of 500 million rands worth of Madupi and, and uh, Kosili. And I mean, so, Madupi isn't really even operational. No, but but how come not? There's similar similar coal-fired power stations over the border are, and one wants to ask, and one wants to know about the the uh, the corruption which went on with Hitachi and the boilers. Mm. The boilers are not working properly. One wants to ask who designed the the the, the, the smokestacks to to produce um, a less than uh, substantial or less than optimal. A use of the, the the power generator, all of those things should have been ironed out and sorted out at the at the planning stage, twelve, fourteen, fifteen years ago. It hasn't happened, and and the reason it hasn't happened is that there is the appointment of grossly unsuitable people to run the show. I mean, how do you appoint somebody like Dudumayeni to run SAA, and why are we surprised that SAA is in the state it's in now? When they were buying, they were buying bottled water for their passengers, 
okay, at uh, which is available as a rand or two rand a bottle. And by the time all the BEEologists had been involved with it, it was 13, 14, 15, 20 rand a bottle. You can't run a business with BEEology. Um, and the purpose of, of Anthea Jeffrey's book was right. Is it hurting or is it helping? I've got no doubt it's hurting because you can't load a product with price increases without producing value-added advantages. Mm. Uh, mm. And it comes a time when that just becomes unsustainable. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, with the Guptas and Zuma, Zuma, people forget that Zuma came into power facing corruption charges. Okay, he, he was, he, he was uh, uh, Hillary Squires pointed out that if there was a corrupter, there had to be a corruptee. Mm. And nothing happened. There, was a, there were all sorts of legal sleight of hands to stop him from being prosecuted, the spy tapes issue, all of which is nonsense. And, and, and look at us now. We are now, uh, what, 14 years, 12 years down the line, and Zuma is still not properly in court. He's ducking and diving, and he's using the Stalingrad defense. Everything he can do to duck and dive, despite the man having said, I welcome my day in court. I want my day in court. Yeah, but and that's just politicking. See? Yeah, but that's just nonsensical politicking. Well, but the point is that he should be held to his words. And and look at look at the other one. I mean, look at the judge that ran his Jaguar into a brick wall in, in <laughs> and uh, went on an eleven-year fully paid holiday, and nothing happened, and mm. he was given a slap on the wrist after eleven years and retired on full pension. I mean, that's not on. One of the things though that I find quite uplifting, if I'm mm. if I might be so uh, brave, um, when it comes to, I mean, as Magnus Heistek, the economist, this morning said on. Um, on Twitter that South Africa is now essentially a failed state if you look at our economic um, uh, numbers. Um, a, a, an uplifting or silver lining is the, is the fact that the private sector is not just sitting back. Um, I mean, you know that Solidarity is building its own university and schools. You've got the private sector. Basically, just people are starting to do their own thing. Um, you know, they don't care about what the government is failing at. They're now fixing their own potholes, building their own this and building their own that and creating their own, uh, shall we say, pods of existence around the country. Yeah, there's a limited there's a limited possibility for that to happen for a number of reasons. Number one, it is sooner or later going to be hailed as racist. Mm. That's that's the first criticism which is going to come its way i see there is already a comment uh, and i can't remember which anc politician made the comment that private private schools for the rich are not going to happen any in the future so places like bishops and michael house and what have you are being targeted as elitist and are not welcome in south africa sure. despite the fact despite the fact that if you ask mrs pandor where she sent her kids they went to bishops <laughs> Okay, so you know, so there's, there's, there's. Don't do as we do. Do, do as we say. Don't do as we do. Um, kind of attitude. The other thing is that there is a damage done to the educational system in South Africa that will take years to repair. The the disastrous 
effects of outcomes-based education, which had failed everywhere else in the world. But, oh, no, 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 we were, we were going to make it work, despite the fact that our resource base was far less than the other places where it had failed. That outcomes-based education produced a generation or two of, of intellectual cripples. Mm. And, you know, you can lower the bar until people pass, but it does not improve the quality of your graduates. So you can say what you like you can you can you can say oh well they all come out the same that's not true your research your research base diminishes your uh, intellectual base diminishes and you you are damaging the the, the intellectual currency because mm. you know look at a university and say i can trust the degree from that university because you no longer know whether that degree has got a political component to it a friend of mine, and, yeah. Sorry, Jim. No, a friend of mine is a school teacher, junior school teacher, primary school teacher, and she said to me over the weekend that uh, they've received a notice from the Department of Education that all pupils will be put through this year, despite uh, having half a year of of schooling, and um, I see it's starting to rain. Um, despite having half a half a year of schooling, they're going to get pushed through no matter what their marks are. And listen to this: they are no longer allowed to be angry at the uh, at the pupils. So, in other words, if if a pupil does something wrong or doesn't finish his homework or anything, everything is fine. It's okay. You aren't allowed to be aggressive. Yeah. Well, you see, this this is this is part of the whole process of equality of outcomes. Yes. Equality of outcome is a disastrous policy. It can never work. Because when when you are lying on the operating table and there's a surgeon poised with the scalpel over your tongue, uh, you need to say to him, are you an equal outcomes graduate? Mm. Or did you actually learn some anatomy? And if he, if he isn't a man who had a proper education which is universally and internationally recognized, then I would suggest you get up off the table and walk home or limp home or hop home or whatever you've got to do um, because it, it, it's a danger. I mean, we had a case in, um, in one of the uh, Eastern Cape hospitals where two surgeons, two, two uh, uh, graduate surgeons from uh, a university which shall remain nameless, uh, they were cardiac surgeons, put in a mitral valve upside down. <laughs> no, that's that's that is not not good for your health. <laughs> you have your mitral valve put in upside down. Okay. Sorry, I, and, should, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be because if you were the patient, you'd be you'd be uh, you'd not be that chuffed. Um, what was that? Speaking of which, what was that? Uh, <laughs> that you just reminded me of that story. I don't know if what you're allowed to tell me. Um, on air, but you were telling me about that insurance claim to do with the fire and the chemicals that you've been working uh, on? I've been working on a number of them. <laughs> I've been working on a number of cases at the moment uh, where uh, one... Look, the, the, the problem is capture. Mm. Okay. The problem is this. And part of the issue that one has is that if you've got a small community... And you've got, uh, for instance, the insurance industry is a good example mm. of it. So it seeks to capture its resources. So what they will do, and, and, and people like Jimmy McIntosh, who is head of the SA Eagle, 
and um, uh, he was the claims manager there. Uh, now long since gone on, actually became became eventually a very good ombudsman. Um, but but he was one of the fellows who said, "If you work against me, you will never work for me," which means that Yo. you can only ever work for the industry. Now that's very dangerous as an expert. If you're an expert, you are actually the witness of the court. You've got to give evidence, which is for the court's benefit, not for the benefit of the side that called you. And if your evidence is not good for the side that called you, they mustn't put you in a witness box. So that is something which they fail to understand, that that you, you must be free to act for everybody. But now we get back to another thing. There's capture of everything. For instance, there's now governmental capture of the police. The police are no longer, and, and we went through a brief period of enlightenment post-94 where the police actually stopped being instruments of the apartheid regime for mm. a moment in time. Um, and up until then, the police, the police were, were nothing more than hired guns for the government. Mm. They weren't there to keep law and order. I remember as a student, there were protests on Jansmat's Drive uh, going down past the university, all the Joburg traffic went out to the north. There were protests there, and the RAU students stood on the center island being abusive and throwing obstacles and dead cats and eggs and goodness knows what across the road at the protesting students. And the police stood by and did nothing. And where it got really out of hand, the police would arrest one or two of these thugs, take them around the corner, and release them. So you know, and I was living there and watching this going on at the time. Then after 94, the police started, and of course, there was the infamous security police. The security police were nothing more than a South African version of the Gestapo. And that gave rise at the time to the hit squads and Flockplas and the murder of people and academics like David Webster. And David Webster was murdered with a full knowledge of the police. I investigated that murder. I was on the scene, and the police knew about it. They never did a proper investigation. They trod water until the heat died down, and then it all went away, and it took years for Ferdy Barnard to be convicted of that murder. And the police knew about it on the day of his shooting. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking now, David, there, there seems to be a culture of corruption in South Africa. Um, it's... I mean, I'm looking at the people in the comments and the, the, the overwhelming uh, thread is uh, loss of hope, uh, cynicism, uh, pessimism, uh, you know, it, it, it's, and, and it's not just the people who are watching right now, of which there are many, it's people with whom I bry and talk to at the coffee shop and even the people who are, are working at the garage, at the petrol stations, and it's just this culture of of apathy and cynicism and, and negativity. Stop there. Stop right there. Because no true word was ever said that all that is necessary for evil is that good men do nothing. Mm. All of this could stop if people reclaimed the moral high ground. So if you know that there's somebody operating a chop shop next door to you, call the police. If you know that there is a police officer who is corrupt, Turn him in. Ask civil society to not allow people to behave this way. Don't pay bribes. If, if a police officer stops you and says, I'm thirsty, I want some money to buy a cold drink, photograph them and lay a complaint. That's what is necessary for this to stop. 
And until people do that, until people start with the 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 Rudy the the Rudy uh, uh, what was the mayor of Giuliani uh, of Giuliani attitude of the broken window pane story, deal with it at a low level. Combat crime wherever you find it. Do not allow it. I mean, we've got what on earth is is our minister doing with with uh, an Aston Martin? Why does she need an Aston Martin when people are starving? Why are the ANC withholding food packages, and why were the ANC uh, preventing the delivery of food packages to indigent white populations? Why? And and one needs to go back and look at the political motivation behind this because it's frightening. And it, again, it goes back into neo-Marxist behavior and this discussion. I mean, mm. Cyril Ramaphosa, okay, airily talks about nationalizing the Reserve Bank and expropriation without compensation. Okay. All of that is guaranteed to make it unfavorable place to put your money as an investor. Nobody in their right mind is going to want to do this except the Chinese. And the Chinese are going to want their pound of flesh. Mm. And I can tell you now that the uh, the selling off of resources, animal, uh, land, and economic resources to the Chinese is not going to be a long-term advantage to the people of South Africa. If you looked at the uh, if you looked at the building of the Chinese embassy in 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 uh, in Cape Town, you'll notice that uh, that there were no no locals working on that. There were only Chinese working on that. Uh, now, I think what you you're know, saying is sorry, I'm I'm stopping you there, but I think what you're saying is is gold. Uh, every every person has to start somewhere, and you must basically start with start with what's right. Correct. And and start by looking looking at, for instance, this this whole EFF thing about trashing shops. That is wrong. But much more important than that is you've got to ask Ramaphosa why he's not more vocal about it. Mm. And the other thing which concerns me enormously, and Dicola Barnard has been going on about this, rightly so, she's a lone voice in the wilderness, possibly with uh, with with a few other, but she's largely a lone voice, and she's certainly the most vocal voice that I know of at the moment. But the farm murders are national suicide. Mm. Very hard to not believe the narrative that there is a degree of government approval. It's very hard not to believe that narrative. Um, and you know, there's there's probably a range of things which which are causative in that. But there, there are two things that concern me. Number one is the lack of response of the government saying, we are going to set up an immediate task team. There's always a promise of doing something in a caucus and a, we're in the planning stage to do something. Nothing ever happens. That's the first concern. The second thing is that that is a fairly easy thing to do. You could reinvigorate the farm security systems and you could, you could encourage that. But Chelly has been positively discouraging about that. And the other thing, of course, is that these clowns that run our government run around with security which costs billions per annum, and yet they're trying to disarm the civilian population, yeah. which is crazy stuff. And I can't imagine a situation which will be to anybody's advantage where I'm broken into in the middle of the night. And Rondebosch, at one stage where I lived, was a prime area. He would have the crowbar gang. And you'd wake up at half past one in the morning, and there'd be a fellow standing over you with a crowbar, having smashed his way in. And he'd beat the living daylights out of you and steal your weapons and, and run off. 
So, you know, how do you do that? You put up a security system and if somebody breaks in with a crowd, well, you shoot them. Yes. That's not an unreasonable proposition, as opposed to leaning over and saying, beat the hell out of me with your crowbar. Yeah, and you have some and, coffee and, and, and muffins. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and thank you for not killing me. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and you've now got the latest thing at the Bud Plus police station, where all, all the guns, uh, a whole lot of guns were stolen. The cops couldn't protect themselves, let alone the public. Uh, and they were broken into and, and weapons were stolen. I mean, it's great stuff for your police force to be like that. And you've got to ask a number of other things as well. For instance, why are the, if you look at the Cape Judiciary, it's a frightening situation. The Cape Judiciary under, under John Sloppy has been a disaster. And how do you have confidence in a bunch of people who are supposed to uphold the highest levels of moral and legal rectitude when the sort of nonsense is going on? Mm. When, when John Sloppy firstly uh, called Joshua Greff a piece of white shit all those years ago, Okay, that's an unspeakable thing for your judge president to say to an attorney, even if you think it. And the second thing was that uh, Schlorpe went off to, uh, there's an allegation, and uh, I think it's more than an allegation, that he went off to go and influence uh, the two uh, uh, appeal court judges uh, in Cabinda and, uh, and um, uh, um, Jafta, uh, in making a finding favorable to Zuma. That is unspeakable. Mm -hmm. And yet that has taken 11 years to do anything, and it, it's drifting along in in the most leisurely fashion. So, there's an interesting comment um, I see here. It's saying that uh, sometimes you reach a point at which taking the moral high ground is is just too late. Do you think, do you think that there's, a, there's validity in that? No, Jim, there is no alternative. You have to start somewhere. You can't you can't say it nothing can be done. Then you did then you descend into chaos and anarchy. Mm. That is that's unthinkable. The, the country is a wealthy country. It's wealthy in terms of its population and its, its human resources. There's a huge human resource availability in South Africa. Mineral, financial, all sorts of things. But the government has steadfastly failed to implement any kind of investment in any of these resources, and they've spent their time instead worrying about uh, how much they can loot from the, the fiscus. That, that is scary stuff that they're looting, and, and they're having a major hissy fit about an advert which was ill-advised, stupid, and racist. That, in terms of its damage to the economy, is minimal. Mm. But the looting... The looting of Eskom is anything but minimal. And every day that Eskom is not producing power costs the country billions of rand. And it you know, and the other thing about that as well is that there's a there's a reversal of what is right and what is wrong. I was called there there was a company that uh, provided security uh, to the Durban uh, uh, municipality. It was Durban in those days. <clears throat> in fact, it's not that long ago. It's about six years ago that I did this. Um, and what had happened was a major transformer had blown, putting the whole of Umbilo into darkness. So when when the uh, the company came along to have a look at it, they found that the reason the transformer had blown was that there must have been 
500 illegal connections which went to an informal settlement over the road. They went, they dug holes in the road and they just buried them and, and there were wires everywhere. And of course the, the transformer couldn't manage that and finally gave up the ghost. And uh, what happened was they, the, the technicians came with an escort because of previous experience to try and fix it. And the first thing they've got to do is you've got to undo all the illegal connections. And there was growing anger from the crowd and the next thing, shots were fired. And the, these guys fired back. Somebody was killed. Who gets prosecuted? The security company. It's crazy stuff. It's back to front. It is back to front. There should be a strong police presence there. They should have dispersed the crowd. And you should have had a situation where uh, that was not allowed to develop. But you can't go on allowing that. And, of course, Eskom has been losing billions. And then you've got to ask yourself with the level of policing. Go go back over our last police uh, commissioners. I mean, Jackie Celebi was hardly, hardly an advertisement for the South African police force. He was probably the greatest, greatest embarrass, embarrassment to be head of Interpol since Reinhard Heydrich, who was the butcher of Prague. Okay? So Jackie Celebi was a gross embarrassment. Ria Piega was not found to be uh, particularly worthy of office in the Farlam Commission. Mm. Okay. Um, Becky Chelly was hurled out of office because of a, what seemed to be a very dodgy deal and was spoken about widely in the press was Rushibangu. Okay. O over millions and millions of rand for the hire of police premises. Um, and he now reinvents himself as the Minister of Police. Hello, you've put the fox in charge of the hen house. And it's very damaging and yeah, very and, dangerous. And Jackie was part of the sort of government mafia or the connected well, mafia. Jackie's, Jackie Celebi was, 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 was tied in with the mafiosa. Yeah. I mean, okay. you talk about Brett Kebble and you're talking about uh, um, uh, Glenn Agliotti and that whole crew. Well, what I was what I was quite interested in was that at the trial of Glenn Agliotti. Well, firstly, the people, if if you remember back to the murder of Brett Kebble, uh, I was the first person to come out and say, "Look, this is not murder. This it, it actually is. It's it's not a standard murder. It's an assisted suicide." And Kebble needed that. He needed his death because he'd run out of money. And of course, if he shot himself, the insurance policies wouldn't pay out because there's a suicide waiver. So he needed a way of getting the policies which were made out to his the beneficiaries were his family, which was a decent thing to do, and then get somebody to shoot you, which means that the insurance companies would regard it as a murder. But there were so many features which indicated that that was an assisted suicide uh, that it became obvious to me within the first two weeks. And I told uh, Judge Willem Heath, who'd appointed me on behalf of Mr. Kebble Sr., I told him that this was an assisted murder. I named the kind of weapon. I said to him what it was. I said to him where to start looking for the people who, who shot his son. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I was 100% correct in all of those uh, predictions and prognostications. And the people who did it came out one year later to the day virtually and wrote affidavits to say that that's exactly what happened. Kibble needed money and he mm -hmm. paid these. these. But the curious thing about that was this is that when those fellows were put on trial, they were, in, in the Agliotti case, they were all given fr uh, 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 freedom from prosecution 
in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act, in order to turn into state witnesses, in effect, um, because uh, of God knows why they all had to mm. do it. Normally, you, you choose one party who you have, have as a state witness, and you prosecute the rest of them. But that's not what happened here. And the point is that uh, during the trial of Glenn Agliotti, the, uh, the judge actually said to the prose prosecutors were changed halfway through this whole rigmarole. And uh, during the trial, somebody said to the prosecutor, the judge said to the prosecutor, which side are you appearing for? He was that useless. Sure. He was actually strengthening the other side's case. As a prosecutor, that's not what you're there for. You're supposed to put the best case possible for the state. But he wasn't doing it. Now, government interference was obvious then. Mm. And the same, is, the same is true of the government interference and all the other nonsenses that are going on. We've, we, we've had Shamila Batoy, who's been now head of NPA for, what, two years now? Uh, how, many, how many high government officials are there that you've seen running around in little orange overalls? There aren't any. Yeah. Okay, so one wants to ask why. Why are we doing that? And with the Zondo Commission, I mean, what a litany of corruption. Yes. What an absolute litany <laughs> of corruption. And, and this, I, I saw this, Kate Hoffman was cross-examining some fellow the other day who sat there looked, trying to behave like a mafioso with his dark, with his shades on and in, inside. You know, I mean, who's he trying to fool? And they were asking about 2.5 million rand, which appeared from from a, uh, a, a, an account into his account. Oh, no, he said he never received money. But what about that? Oh, yes, he didn't know it was for him. Okay, it arrives in his I mean, the blatancy and the stupidity <laughs> and the elementary crassness of the lies that he was prepared to tell beggar belief. Um, and yet I he should be proud. I think her name's pronounced Shanice. I apologize uh, to the person who typed the comment if I got your name wrong. But Shanice is not um, happy about you clicking your pen. Oh, I'm terribly sure. I'll never do it again. <laughs> it's a level of my irritation with the state and what's going on. And I didn't know you could hear it, actually. <laughs> I, I heard it, but I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> Okay, well, she's obviously a smart puppy, is Shanice. But look, I mean, when going, get... <laughs> going back to what you were saying, uh, um, I, again, it's all about taking the moral high ground. And somebody has to do it, David, but nobody does it. If you look around you on a daily basis, people shoot red lights. It, everything starts at the bottom but there is no more bottom because people have just given up i don't see people obeying even the road rules anymore um the simplest things it's just become well, it's become culturally if acceptable you, if you drive along any of the exit roads from cape town have a look at the taxi drivers they're driving unroadworthy vehicles crammed beyond their capacity and driving wrong way down the, the street on pavements, disobeying every rule in the book, and nobody does anything about it. And it's it's a it's it's a major problem. Rules have got to be for everybody, and not just for those that are politically uh, not connected. Mm. Um, and and I'm 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 desperately sad at what is going on at the at the at the High Court in Cape Town. The, these are people. This is a group of people 
who are put at an elevated position in order to pronounce judgment in matters that are of vital importance in people's lives. And here we've got an internal war with everybody trying to cut everybody else's throat. You've got, you've got Judge Goliath having a go at Schlorpy. You've got Schlorpy having a go at Judge Goliath and, by the way, at the, at the Chief Justice. Um, everybody is out of line except, uh, you know, uh, Judge Schlorpy. Um, and and uh, it's very frightening to me to see the the apathy with which mm. this has been going. And in fact, Schlopi is not a great fan of I'm, he's not a great fan of mine, and I'm not a great fan of his. But he, he, I don't think he likes me all that much. He once I was standing in Kirom Street on the edge of the the pa- I was actually standing just off the pavement. When he accelerated his huge car at me, and I had to jump back on the pavement, and I remember slapping his uh, um, um, side wind uh, uh, mirror. He was that close to me. Sure. And it was a deliberate attempt aiming his blessed car at me. Either that or the man's a reckless driver. So, you know, it's, it, it's not good to have a man like Schlorpy running the Cape bench. Yeah, and then I mean, sorry, and I'm just going. I'm going back to some of the comments because we have got about 15 minutes left, and I've uh, neglected pretty much most of the comments. But you see, yeah, Koi Sang says, "Well, listen, taxi drivers are under immense pressure uh, because the industry is very competitive, and that's why they end up driving the way they do." I don't think that's a good enough excuse. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, and part of the problem there, which you may have been watching unfolding with growing concern, mm. is the fact that the rail infrastructure is being damaged beyond repair. People are digging up in Boysons in Johannesburg, they've stolen the track on some of the lines out to uh, uh, the, the, the outlying areas of Cape Town. Squatter camps have been built on the track. The infrastructure and the wiring and the signaling systems have been vandalized and stolen. And you can't have a situation where the ta- – and, and the buses are being burned. And by the way, Cape Town is running on 40 train sets, the, the last count. They need 80. They've been vandalized and burnt. Now, how does that help? Last time I figured out a way of solving the lateness of trains was to try and get the trains running properly, not to burn them. I don't see why that works, and I cannot understand the culture of destruction which accompanies protest. And, and we, we're going back, we're going back, we're going back to a, a, a situation of anarchy, which is again characteristic of early early Marxism. Marxism was less less violent, rather more evolutionary mm. in terms of it, its development than the uh, the 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 anarchists who. Had, came at the same time but we've got a resurgence of this anarchy where destruction seems to be the only way of making your voice heard and and we're moving into another area where debates are no longer acceptable yeah deplatforming is is the order of the day that's not winning a debate that's thuggery Mm. it's it's unacceptable that that people should whatever they say they should be allowed to say it, and they should be challenged intellectually, and and a robust debate should take place. Throwing things at them and deplatforming them and assaulting them is not part of a civilized intellectual society. Yeah, but I mean, it seems as if the the medieval era of burning the witches 
is still rampant. Well, I mean, don't joke about that. Witches are still being burnt in the Eastern Cape. If somebody feels that you've done mm. something, I mean, there was a case not that long ago where a, some kids got into a derelict motor car, uh, which and they couldn't open the doors, and the, in the heat of the day, it built the temperature built up, and they all died. And this was laid at the door of some poor woman who was called a witch and was burnt at the stake. Well, not at the stake, but she was set, set alight and burnt. And you forget that it's not that long ago that uh, the, the noble Reverend Winnie Mandela uh, made the comment that with our boxes of matches, we'll liberate this country, which is not, not a particularly good comment for a senior uh, person in government to make. I know Winnie had a, a very proud history of other things, but that's a stupid remark which will taint her, her legacy big time. Yeah, my cartoon that I drew uh, after she died was... So it was so controversial that three publications um, looked at it and uh, said, no, they were too scared to run it. Um, I'll send it to you. It was, it was do. it's on my website, but, it, mean, but it's, Winnie, what is it, Winnie's involvement in the Stompy Sepai matter has not yet been fully elucidated. Mm. And the Mandela, the Mandela football team, not, what was that doing there? What was the purpose of the thuggery that went on mm. there? Mm. Otherwise, it's, it's not only them. The, the Nationalist Party were no strangers to thuggery. Yeah. They would they would send in their bully boys to break up UP and, and, and progressive party meetings. It's unacceptable. And it, in all of this, Sil Ramaphosa ignores all of that and says, we're going to remove statues. Well, that's the least of the country's problems is the statues. That's yeah. the least of the what concerns me about Cyril Ramaphosa, and I've, and I've voiced this again, one's, one's got to make a comparison between what is happening in South Africa and what was happening in the Weimar Republic in Germany in 1933. And you've got to look at those two very closely. And I said this, I said this at, a, at a, a non-political meeting that I attended um, uh, in Cape Town just before I left, mm. is that the similarities between the nonsense going on in the Weimar Republic and the stuff going on now. And I, I see Malema as a black version of Adolf Hitler. He openly espouses Hitler's policies. He openly is happy with the, the, the members of his, uh, his fellow travelers who praise Hitler and who are anti-Semitic. I hear the sounds of anti-Semitism and racism mm. redolent in these, uh, these communities such as Malema's crowd. Malema I regard as racist. But they've redefined racism in a way which suits them. Racism is the judgment of other people on skin color. No, but no that's changed. Now. That's changed now. They're, they're changing the meanings. It hasn't changed. It is still there. And when a black tells me that he can judge me because I'm white, that's racism. Mm. Yeah, Sorry yeah, to say. Sure, I agree. Straight racism. And we are not – and this bending of the knee. Mm. Don't bend the knee. I mean, the man – the, the, the police, if they stepped out of line, need to be disciplined and punished to the full extent of the law. But the that's, a re that's all a result of, as you said earlier, this postmodernist nonsense. I mean, it's this, it's this idea that people can be judged based on collective characteristics. But I mean, David... Pe people are being judged for slavery who were never slaves, mm. on, uh, by people who were never slaves. Or slave owners. They're judging people who've never owned a slave. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, simply based on your skin color and your gen- genitals. Wasn't there wasn't there some some moron a few decades ago who supposedly had a dream about judging people based on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin? I think you'll find his name was Martin Luther King, and it was in the great speech, I Have a Dream. Okay. And uh, Martin, by the way, Martin Luther King achieved great things, and Rosa Parks didn't have to burn buses in order to get her message across. Mm. And 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 Martin Luther King led a very peaceful campaign. He was he was a man who, whatever his uh, whatever his personal failings were, he was a man who led a very successful and peaceful campaign and a very powerful campaign. Mm. And our mob have not learned anything from him whatsoever and it's uh, not and it's not being challenged that's the problem it's being celebrated on the highest levels at the highest yeah. levels i beg your pardon you, you know the irony of course is that clicks which has been the the target of all this uh, mm. vehemence over the last uh, while is is not a white owned shop yeah that's 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 the that's the that's the irony of the whole thing malema is targeted uh, a group that was largely transformed, although they made a, a, a stupid, a stupid mistake. Theresa May made a very silly mistake in mm. in putting that out. But there's a way of dealing with that, and there's a way of dealing with it in a civilized way and resorting to violence. And you'll notice more and more in in the in the dealings that Max Price was having with the students on UCT campus a few years ago. Mm. The, the the situation went from demand to violence without an intervening intervening period of any form of negotiation of of any value whatsoever. Yeah, and then and he, the, yeah he joined the, them as well. It was ridiculous. The burning and the throwing mm. of feces and, and excrement around the campus was absolutely unacceptable. But in the end, Max paid the price. You that was a funny, was it, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, I, I think I think Max Price simply didn't understand that he he was dealing he was dealing with shifting goalposts, and every time I mean it started off as roads must fall. Yes, and then fees then must fall. Off, no, it moved into fees must not be increased. Then no fees. Then no no past debt need to be paid. Mm. Uh, hello, there's a limited amount of uh, of money to go around, and if you keep wasting it on Aston Martins and, yes. and cronyism and BEE, it's not going to be around for the people who need it to become educated. And we're seeing it now. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing situation where uh, the a lot of the people coming out of these universities at the moment are functionally illiterate. We've been moaning a lot in this stream, and and it's been good because a lot of people can relate in the comments. I mean, we've had a lot of people watching. Um, what, the only solution that that we've actually come to terms with is taking a moral higher ground. That's about it. Or what other solutions are there? Clean out the Aegean stables. Clean out the Aegean stables. You've got to take the corrupt people at the top. And you've got to make an example of them. And you've got to issue a firm instruction to the National Prosecuting Authority, prosecute them. Build your case and prosecute them. You've got to give them the funds to do that. That's the first thing. Yeah. And the manpower. The second thing is the the, the, the low-level corrupt 
corrupted people need to be cleaned out and you need to put people in based on competence, not on skin color, not on cater deployment. Cater deployment and skin color choices are not the way to run a country. Correct. And and originally, affirmative action, which is where this all started, was that if there are two people applying for a job, one of whom has been previously disadvantaged, give it to the previously disadvantaged one. I have no quibble with that. None whatsoever. But where you give it to somebody who is manifestly unqualified for the job in the face of somebody who is eminently qualified yeah. for the job, that's a recipe for disaster. The easiest way... You, do do my ennies of the world running yes. SA, then you can expect it to run into a financial tiff before long. And you know, hello, but that's but that's exactly the the easiest way to test it is if people are happy to fly on an airplane with an unqualified or a a, a questionably qualified pilot. Yes, well, well, go and have a look at the demographics of the SA crew. Mm. Um. <clears throat> And it's largely because I don't, I don't know why there is such a, a skewing of the demographics of, of the South African pilots uh, flying cohort. There, there are a few. I've, I, haven't, I, haven't flown, I haven't flown SA for many years, uh, but it, it certainly um, on the few occasions which I've flown, it's been, I've, I've flown one trip to Swaziland with, uh, with a black captain. But I mean, I think it's I think it's a fairly simple answer, David. Um, people are different. Um, you'll also find majority of I don't know engineers, structural engineers, are male. Not you know, not everything has to be the same in every category. No. Well, you see, we're going back. We're going back to some very interesting debates that Jordan Peterson had. Uh, with various interviewers over the years about pay discrimination and, and about a variety of socioeconomic and social um, diseases which afflict the world today. <clears throat> one, one of which is the fact that people are different. And in the Scandinavian countries, for instance, where there's been the greatest efforts to minimize social effects on children during their upbringing, um, what it has done in the end, it's maximized the natural instincts of people to do what they want. So that in, in, in the Scandinavian countries, engineers are still overwhelmingly male. Plumbers are still overwhelmingly male. Uh, teachers and nurses are still overwhelmingly female. So yeah. social engineering has never been a good idea, ever. No. Not the, the, the communist social engineering... The Nazis, their social engineering, the Nats, their social engineering, and Tabo and Becky and all his social engineering, also not a good idea. It, mm. you, you've got to let countries operate with a maximum of laissez-faire, and, and the government's role is to prevent gross abuses of the situation. Yeah, but it's not, not doing that. Not to micromanage everything. And I mean... What the hell is Fakili, Fakili and Balula doing telling people to take the knee? None of his business. Okay. My previous guest um, a few days ago uh, I referred to him as uh, Fakile Mabula. Oh, was it? Yeah. What's he doing, what's he doing uh, making statements like that? It's no, good. it's ridiculous. What's Nati and Tetra? I mean, he's, yeah. uh, he's not been a ball of fire anywhere. Um, 
and yet he's still mm. in government. And and how come we've got Ace, Ace Magashula still in government with, where's the PNF? Why isn't somebody saying to him, hello, please, please explain. But everybody's pussyfooting it around. And maybe somebody should, should ask Lindiwe Sisulu how she's managed to ruin the water situation. Anthony Turton has been complaining and warning about it. By the way, that's the big elephant in the, in the room. Mm. Whinging about electricity. When you run out of water, it's, you know, you can, you can do things in the dark, but try, try drinking nothing. It's not good for you. It definitely comes down to, I mean, I'm seeing yeah, people again saying that uh, you and I have just been moaning um, and not offering solutions. But I think that's not true. No, we've been pointing out the problems. And it's not a moan. I don't, I, I, I've offered a solution. The mm. solution is to clean out the rot and to clean out the people who Zuma put in. Zuma, Zuma's inspired idea was to put corrupt people in every asset and every facet of government and administration. That was his inspired idea. These are people who cannot clean out the mess because their their livelihood depends on maintaining the status quo. That's but, the problem. Okay, but that's a that's a very top level um, solution. A All very, the way down to the bottom. A bottom level All solution is is basically for us as individuals to start taking a, the moral high ground, start doing what's right. Yes, and and not accepting the the nonsense which is handed out, not accepting the fact that people are allowed to loot and 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 pillage trucks on the on the end too, without with the police standing by by the way and doing nothing about mm. it, and having to put up with the nonsense where there's a peaceful protest in Parliament where the police are deployed in force. What does that tell you? Yeah. Um, if I make segue quickly, you have a. Well, obviously, you have a number of fans in the comments, but one, one fan in particular, uh, Ruth, says that you are good-looking and you have great hair. Uh, tell her that it, I, I use, primarily, I wash my hair with Tresemme. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else um, is quite a fan of your nose. Oh, not a fan of my nose. No, is a fan. Oh, well, there you are, you see. It's, I stick it into everybody else's business. So, you know, very useful, useful appendage. Look, I must admit, if I were to, to, to draw a caricature of you, I think I don't think you'd be friends with me anymore. No, 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 no. I've had lots of character, caricatures drawn of me. Um, um, who was the, who was the, uh, uh, the, the cartoonist for the Cape Times? Um, uh, 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 Dolph Edler. No, 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 no. Dov was for the star. Chip, Dov, Chip Snedden. Dov's a friend of mine. Chip Snedden. No, no. He's oh. retired a long time. Oh. A wonderful cartoon of Tony Weaver. Um, um, anyway, he, he's drawn lots of cartoons of me. Okay. Um, whenever I talk at the press club, you get a little present of a cartoon. Um, <laughs> and a couple of these lying around. But, um, I mean... Look, I mean, we, we're obviously just being a, bit, a little bit jestful now because uh, we're kind of over time. But I think, I think it's a big, big challenge, a big road ahead that when you reach rock bottom, which South Africa pretty much is uh, reaching, you have to then start with baby steps again. Yes. And the, the, Jim, the baby steps are for every man, woman, and adolescent to say, this is not good enough. Mm. Okay. Uh, we are not going to support you if you burn down a school. 
mean, there have been a lot of, under lockdown, there were a lot of schools vandalized and burnt down. And again, one can, one can look at that in, in, in a number of different ways. One can simply say to it, it's the general criminality of the population. I think that's too simplistic. I think that there's a desperation of the population who are hungry, and it reflects a failure of government to manage the situation adequately. Mm. I think that is the case. And one of the things that has been coming out of this is that the, the farm murders are very concerning because they seem to be uh, associated much less with theft than with extreme violence. And just hate. Yeah. And that concerns me. And again, I say this to you and let somebody tell me, it's very hard not to find some level of government approval in their failure to do anything. A failure to do something is a tacit acceptance of the status quo. And Cyril literally said that uh, white farmers are not being killed. Well, uh, yeah. That was in 2018, I think. Well, that is a remark that will go into history. That That is a remark that is going to go down with Jimmy Kruger saying, Steve Biko's death leaves me cold. Mm. That, that's the level of reprehensibility of that remark, yeah. I'm about to say. And uh, it will also be something that will be like an albatross around Cyril's neck, and history will judge him harshly for that. I think so too. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's make one final comment. I'll leave it up to you. Well, I think every man, woman, and child in South Africa, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to take black as a description out of the national discourse. We've got to talk about human beings. We've got to talk about all lives matter. Every single life matters. And I draw no distinctions. The moment you've got to uh, um, qualify any statement with the use of the word black, it invariably will make you into a racist. I think we need to avoid the racism. We need to be very careful. And I think that one needs to make certain that there is an equality of opportunity, mm. but that we must not supplant that with an equality of outcome. Equality of outcome will destroy the country, as as it's gone yes. well on to doing so. I completely agree. Just since you, men since you mentioned all lives matter, um, do you have an iPhone? Uh, no. Have you have you heard what Siri says about um, all lives matter? No. Can I can I show you? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you three scenarios of Siri's response. Listen to this. Hey, Siri, do white lives matter? Just a moment. Okay. I found this on the web for Hey, Siri, do white lives matter? Check it out. Okay. Now, hey, Siri, do black lives matter? Yes, black lives matter. And the third one, hey, Siri, do all lives matter? All lives matter is often used in response to the phrase, black lives matter, but it does not represent the same concerns. To learn more about the black lives matter human rights movement, visit blacklivesmatter.com. How about that? Well, I didn't, I didn't know that iPhone was run by a Leninist fraction. That's quite scary. And apparently Google and Amazon's uh, equivalents do the same. Yeah, no, it is scary.
It is scary. But in fact, it reflects exactly what we've been saying. Yes. That there's been, that there's been a postmodernist takeover of almost everything. And we've mm. got to be careful. Postmodernism <clears throat> is a very destructive element. Uh, and got to be really, really careful of it. And got to start recognizing it for what it is. It's a subversive, neo-Marxist, mm. destructive new movement which is going to kill things that matter for us. And it is all in the name of power rather than the name of... In fact, in postmodernism, qualifications and uh, abilities are regarded as racist components. Mm. Power is what matters. And you, you start to look at all these subjects which are creeping up in universities all over the place, the, in the humanities, critical race theory, critical legal mm. theory. They're all non-scholastic things. It has to be challenged. But the problem is it's so massive that it, it has to start then with you. Yes, the yeah. individual. It starts, it starts, and I go back to the quote that I started this conversation with. All that is necessary for evil is that good men do nothing. The good men out there must do something. Well, there's our message to start the week, David. This is good. Thank you. Have Happy beginning of spring, everybody. Have a wonderful uh, week, David. I suspect you will be on again quite soon, but you and I will chat after the show. Uh, Joe, yes. you go, I want to make a suggestion to you yes. for your listeners and see whether they favor the notion. Right. Is it possible that you and I should have a discussion about the uh, consumer issues where people are being bullied by big companies? And not getting a fair deal out of mm. out of life in general because of the fact that they are small and the people that they oppose are big. Well, let's let's wait and see. I suspect that the general response is going to be favourable, uh, but I'll I'll let you know what what everybody says. David, your information's under under this video. If anybody wants to contact you, thank you so much. I'll chat to you again soon, and thank you to everybody who was watching. It's a pleasure. Goodbye. My name is Jim. This was Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.